Welcome to episode 14 of the Process Breakdown Podcast. If you do not have the time to document procedures for your business, then get your employees to help you by making it a requirement as part of their job to document procedures for each recurring task that they do. This way you can get them to help you systematize your entire business. Do you want more details on how to do this? In this interview, my guest reveals step-by-step how he got his employees to help him document procedures for his entire business and how as a result of doing that he was able to systematize his entire business and transform his side business into a company that now generates over 5.8 million dollars annually. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you tired of being the bottleneck in your business? You want to get everything out of your head and document step by step how you get tasks done so your employees know exactly what you know? Sign up for a free 14-day trial or see process. Also, if you're already documenting procedures for your business, but you're not satisfied with the tools you're currently using because they're too complex for you or your employees don't like to use them, you want an easier way, right? Okay, then sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. And now, let's get started with the interview. Hi, everyone. My name is Owen McGavinauer, and welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where I bring on successful entrepreneurs to come on here and reveal how they've been able to create systems and process, uh, processes for their businesses, which now enable them to literally run their business on autopilot without their constant involvement. And today, my guest is David Michaels. He's the co-founder of North Shore Pediatric Therapy. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Om. Uh, happy to be here. And so let's get started. What exactly does your company do and what big pain do you solve for your customers? Okay, our company provides pediatric therapy services, eight different specialties uh, for children. And the pain we solve is if you're a parent who has a child with a developmental challenge, your pain is the fear, anxiety, and stress of wanting to find a solution uh, for your child as quickly as possible and not necessarily knowing where to turn to. And so how many employees do you currently have? We have 85 employees, 65 of whom are full-time. Okay, wow, that's a huge operation. And then also, uh, my, my, my listeners always want to know, like, uh, you know, what kind of business in terms of the revenue and all that, you know, so they can know what level of business uh, you are at. Uh, what was maybe last year's annual revenue as well as maybe this year's, uh, pers- you know, what you, what, you, what you hope it's going to be? Sure. Last year's revenue was $5.4 million, and we're hoping to exceed $5.8 million this year. We also opened a, a fourth uh, location this year, so we currently have four locations in the Chicago metropolitan area. Awesome. I'm just curious. I, I didn't know about the location thing before. Is, is the, all the locations all in-house, or are you franchising some of them? I'm just curious. Uh, no, they're all currently owned by us in-house. Okay. And so um, this interview is all about learning from entrepreneurs like you who successfully, you know, created, uh, you know, systematize your business where your business runs without you successfully. And so uh, right. before you got to this point, we want to always drive back and understand what was the lowest point of the business and describe how bad it got. Uh, the lowest point of the business is when your business is a mom-and-pop business, and but it's growing to the level where you already have several employees uh, quite a few customers, and you find that um, you're the one doing the interviews, putting ads for new employees, uh, performing the payroll, the banking, the billing. You're just involved in everything, and you can you're completely overwhelmed. You're not you don't necessarily have people in your company who you can trust to get a lot of these um, essential tasks uh, or or 
well, they're the most important tasks completed, so you end up doing all of it yourself, and you never go home, and you want to quit, and you think that your business is, <laughs> you know, just you're a slave to your business, and you're not sure if you want to continue. Well, That's the lowest point. I'm just curious, at the time when you started the business, what did you think coming in it was going to be like? Okay, well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a... I'm an obstetrician gynecologist. I'm a physician, and I started this business. I co-founded with my wife, who is an occupational therapist. So it was meant to be a side business. And uh, it, so we didn't have expectations of it growing to the level of what it grew to. Uh, it grew to such a level that uh, about five years after we started it, I took a sabbatical as a physician to, become, to learn to become a full-time uh, entrepreneur CEO. So does that answer the question? Yeah. So it's something that you, you started on the side, you know, out of your passion and all that. It turns out to be this huge company, and then it's taking right. you away from what you're passionate about doing inside of the company. Exactly. You find out that there's so many other aspects to running the business. During the pre-interview, exactly. you said that uh, your days never ended, and you know you had little time to work. Let's reflect on that, like for a few minutes, though, because I really want to paint the picture of where you're coming from. Uh, okay. What would, what would the typical day back when? You were at the low point. Uh, how, what did it feel like for you? It feels like you never get all your tasks done. You you want to work on your company. You want to meet with uh, certain people in your company. You, there's things you want to people you want to meet with, things you want to do, but you can't do it because there's no time in your calendar because there's certain uh, essential um, tasks that you need to get done in order for the company to function. You know, uh, essentially day to day. And so you're sort of trapped in being able to grow your business because you're working too much in your business because, like I said, you don't, you don't have other people who you can rely on to get the processes done because they haven't been necessarily standardized, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so, or you don't feel like there's something you can ever delegate to someone because they're so important that they need to be done by you. And of course, that's a perception. Uh, it's not a reality. So how did you solve the problems that you just mentioned? At the, at the lowest point of the business, how did you solve? Let, let's dive into what you did. First thing you did, I guess. Okay. Well, luckily, I found myself uh, very good mentors. Uh, read uh, lots of books, uh, but one of my mentors, uh, Michael Kramer, I remember he told me, uh, "Your your business has a zero value unless you can disappear from the earth and your business continues." Uh, that it's also it's not. The people, it's the process, because I complain about the people sometimes. Yeah. You know, they're dropping this, or not getting that done. He said, be soft on people, hard on facts. If you don't have the documentation, if you haven't standardized the process, if you haven't trained them to, to document standardize their processes, you can't come down on the people. If you haven't, the only time you can come down on people is if you have a well-documented uh, uh, SOP, or standard operating procedure, and they're not following it. That's a different issue. But that's, that's what I, uh, that's, that was a turning point for me, a realization that I needed to start standardizing my business. And so what did you do next? I mean, after Michael Kramer suggested, you know, very good points. You know, if, you, if your business cannot run without you, then you don't have a business. Right. And realizing the value of what it's saying, what did you do next? Because we want to dive into step-by-step step what sure. you did. Okay, well, I wasn't about to give away what I thought were the most important or, crit or mission-critical tasks because I felt, again, I still felt like I needed to do them. So I started with uh, less uh, critical tasks um, that were had to do with, you know, opening the mail, um, processing um, uh, the checks that were coming in, 
um, answering the telephone, how to, uh, oh, then we are and also addressing our technology systems. How do you log into this kind of program? How do you uh, fax something? How do you scan something, et cetera? Started with those, and we started to develop these. Um, they were on Word documents. Uh, they weren't on any special uh, system. Uh, it was just a Word document with a very simple header. It was uh, started with the version, version that was the month, dot, the date, dot, the version number, so we kept track of the documents as we would, of course, edit them, you continuously improve them as you refine your processes. And that was our that was our simple process. And then to file these documents in a particular place in our uh, directory on our drive. And we created a special drive on our network called the O drive, O for organization, where I created which I thought was a unique system of uh, basically it's an organizational board. Uh, where we divided it up into departments and then departments into sections and then sections into the individual roles where we equate a role with, with the process. So if we created an opening, a mail opening process, for instance, SOP, it would fall under the administration section, under communications, you know, et cetera. So if you were the person performing that role, you would know where to find that, that document. Okay, and before we even dive into the, the details of the system you created, because that's the next okay. series of questions, I'm also trying to find out, like, uh, okay, you decided that there is some, you, how did you figure out what starting points to start documenting? You said that you, you, you broke it out to critical and non-critical, and then you started out by documenting those non-critical. But then, when it came to okay. the critical, yeah, walk me through how you went from non-critical and then yeah. critical, yeah. Okay, well, you know, as if you want to give up some of your tasks, you typically need to hire some people also. So I think it comes to the point where your employees are telling you that they're overwhelmed and with, and they need to, they need more help. Mm -hmm. And how do you know that they need more help? Um, one, and, and if you bring more help in, how are you going to train those people? So that I think was also, uh, something that caused me to really, um, think about that is when, okay, if we're going to bring new people in, I want to know, um, tell me about the tasks you're currently doing. Document it. Let me, I, I want to know how long does it take, okay? And I want a list of these tasks, and I want them to document, because if we're going to bring someone else on, we cannot take them off of your plate unless we can easily train someone else to do them. And if we don't, and if we don't know how to do them because you haven't written them down, how are we going to train somebody? So we started uh, with the tasks that involved... Uh, uh, tasks that people want to get off of their plate and did get to a new employee. Real quick, did, did it start with you documenting your stuff, or you started by going with you, going to your employees and have, having them document the stuff they wanted to get off their plates? How did it work? You uh, or the employees? More the employees. Okay. Mine came. Mine came later because again, the things I was hoarding, I felt were mission critical. Okay. Of course, I don't do any tasks. Today, so even yeah. the things. It's like, like payroll. I thought, well, you can't, people can't see what other people are making. You can't ever give that to someone else. You know, your mindset changes over time. Um, but, you know, or, you know, there are simpler, simple IRA or, or, uh, banking or, 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 um, uh, reconciling the checkbooks. These are things that I thought I'm always going to hold on to them. Yeah. But of course, as your business develops, you realize that other people can do them if you have a process and you can audit the process. There's a way to check on people, making sure they're doing them correctly. 
um, and you don't have to be as concerned. You can create checks and balances as well. Okay, so now I understand how you went about it. You first of all went with non-critical stuff, but then you focused on the employees, and now you're talking about right. what you did with the employees to literally get stuff documented that they were doing. Go back into that. Right. I, I wanted to understand how you did it. So go ahead. Go back into that uh, part of the story. Okay, so I would take, let's say, a particular employee, and I'd say, show me your, your basket of roles, the different things that you do. Let's break them down into processes. You know, cause in, and I'm not talking about their title. Everyone talks about their title. I don't care about titles. I care about what is it that you do, all the different things. That if you weren't here tomorrow or you left our company, what would stop happening in our company that need to keep, needs to keep happening? So we'd have them first document uh, a list of the roles. And we give each role, or we call a role is the same thing as a process in our company. Okay. Uh, we, we, we give each process a name. So now we have a list of names of processes that this person owns in their bucket. Okay. They've sort of developed with them. They've created them, many of them. And we say now, one by one, let's, you know, and we, next to the list, we'd say which ones are uh, documented, which ones are in process, and which ones haven't been documented. And we just go one by one and start documenting each one. And as each one gets documented, we don't just say, oh, oh good, let's file it. We, we audit it. So I'll have a second person, in the beginning it might have been myself, sit down next to that person, take over the computer, and let them read me the steps. And I would perform the steps one by one, and I should get exactly the same results as that employee got. And so that's how we went until all of their bucket of roles were completed. Now you have SOPs for every single one of the roles. Now you can delegate um, some or all of those roles to another person. You can also cross-train. So it's important as, you know, in a company as, as you're growing uh, to cross-train uh, at least, you know, more than one person in any particular process because if that person's on vacation or leaves you, you still need to know that, especially if it's a mission-critical process, that it continues. So it's important to have cross-training, and it's hard to have cross-training if you don't have documentation. And we believe that whatever you don't have cross-training on is a bottleneck in your organization. It's a potential bottleneck, not having a particular process cross-trained. And I love how you, you do this system of your, making use of your employees to create the system. But then there's this whole other part of the argument where the employee is the one trying to get tasks off their hand. Now you're yeah. someone now responsible for creating the task. So I thought the first thing where you told yes. them, list out all the things you're doing. You, you call them right. roles, all the roles you do. And then now you said, after listing it out, then you now, okay, let's take one at a time and you employees start documenting it. Then there's this other right. argument that the person is doing the work on an ongoing basis and now you want them to document it. Right. Is there not a struggle of, okay, when are they going to find the time to actually document it and when are they going to find the time to do the work? How did you deal okay. with that? Okay, because we made a rule in our company that if every process has a process manager or, again, or a role manager, there's synonyms in our company. Okay. So if you are the person doing a particular process, you're the manager of that process. If you're the person who, let's say, files all scan documents into our scanning um, technology, then um, you are the manager of that process. Therefore, you're responsible for documenting it. You're responsible for improving it, okay? Mm -hmm. um, it and you're, you're responsible for cross-training in it. So you own it. And if you're the owner of it, then you need to document it. And that's just a rule in a company. Everyone knows that. No one else is going to document it for you. You're responsible for documenting it. Okay. And, so you have to find a and you have to find a time for it, obviously. It's not... 
Not easy, but I have to find the time. Okay, so after they documented, the next thing was uh, after they created a list, they on the, they bought into the idea that they own it, they take ownership of it, they're responsible to make the time to even document it. When they documented, right. the next thing after that was the audit, the auditing part of it, where someone else was responsible for looking at each of the steps in each of the procedures they create to make sure that okay, if right. I follow the steps as an outsider, I can achieve the same results that you are telling me. Right. That way, you verify that they're not just writing up crap. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And and you know, until you write an SOP, even for the simplest of procedures you realize how many steps there are. You can get really detailed in some of these uh, processes. So some processes you might want to break up, you know, into smaller processes so that they, you know, form a group. Uh, and um, so that's something to think about as well because if it gets too long, it can get hard to follow. And another thing I was even curious about is uh, you mentioned that, okay, for the most part, you got your employees to do the stuff that you thought were non-critical. But then, how do you document the stuff that you held close to your chest that you felt were critical? Oh, so I just started. I, I followed the same dictum I had of the employees. I started to document my own uh, procedures, and and I would just basically, you know, what we have two screens are all of our admin people. So that's very helpful to have two screens on your computer. So on one screen, I have the the process open that I'm performing. On the other screen I have a Microsoft document or whatever system you're using for documenting your processes and I'm literally typing up my procedure as I'm working on it step by step. I found that to be the easiest way to go about it. Wow, I, I like that. It, was it a thing where, I'm, I'm curious though, was it a thing where you know, as you're doing the task you're just basically listing out what you're doing but maybe you were, you were not exactly. necessarily putting out the full detail. At least when you have version 1.8 with version 1.0 with all the like the highlights of what it is, maybe the next time you can come in and put in more details and more details until it becomes complete. Is that how you were going about it, or were you, when you do the task, yeah. you want to complete everything at once? Well, listen, some tasks are a little complicated and long, and uh, they didn't get done in one sitting. So okay. that's true. There are there are some there are some complicated things that we have to do. Some of them are monthly, and so it just takes a lot of time. So you just document it. Uh, parts of it at a time so it gets you know completely filled in. Okay, and so um, I think one of the things that uh, my my listeners they love is when I can ask you this question. Basically, you know, imagine your business as kind of like a yeah. con like a conveyor belt, where on one side is a customer who not a customer yet, but like a lead who's interested in the service, and on the other end of the conveyor belt is that customer transformed into a happy uh, a lead transformed into a happy customer who's gotten the service delivered. Workers right. behind the scenes, now that you have system in place, how the different parts of the conveyor belt are, are connecting to one another to lead from that lead to customer on the other end. That way we can see behind the scenes. Right, because the whole customer experience is based upon a standardized uh, quality uh, vision that you uh, created. So, you know, the owner or the team uh, has created this vision of what this a brand experience is going to be for the customer yeah. from can the time about, they're greeted. Can we talk about how it is that, that that's conveyable for your business? Because we want to learn from how it's working in yours now. Okay, so a person answers the phone. There's an SOP for how the phone's answered and what mm -hmm. what's uh, how you know what's spoken and how to handle different situations and different uh, parents on the phone. Um, so starting with that, uh, then. When you're, when you're when finished with the phone, you want to send um, a welcoming packet. 
There's a SOP for what goes into the welcoming packet, how is it sent, when is it sent. Again, all part of the experience. There's an SOP if what a customer has a bad experience with you on the phone or has a complaint. We have a thank you card, um, a sorry card that goes out, how it's written, when it's written. Um, there's there's uh, samples of it. Again, there's an SOP for that. Uh, they finally come in. They meet their therapist. How does a therapist greet them? Do they greet the child first or the parent? You know, there's an SOP for that, for greeting and and, uh, and attending to, you know, the, the, and also they get a tour. There's All of that is part of the customer experience, and, and the different people have different roles in that whole experience, and they are know exactly what to do according to their SOP. Um, then there's an SOP for uh, the evaluations and how they're written up, how, how the files are stored. Uh, and then, of course, they have to get billed. Um, that has to be a good experience. They have to be accurate. They have to be on time. Um, all of that has to be documented. And, uh, and finally, you know, even the closing. How do we keep in touch with customers after they no longer need our services? Uh, what's the interval? How is that? How is that tracked? Who's you know? Who's responsible? Whose role is that? And how is that performed? All of those from start to finish create the brand experience. All of your SOPs, when they're followed, uh, uh, ensure that your customer will have a consistent experience according to the vision that you had set. Thank you for doing that because uh, what I yeah. like about that is when we when I get my guests like I've got you to share that the cost the listener can now see that you know. The, the the customer on the other end that comes in as a lead, you know, that doesn't have maybe any expectations yet, but then on the other right. end is a happy, raving customer. In order right. for that for us to get them to that point, someone had to design that experience. Exactly. And that is where you're designing the different SOPs, connecting them to one another to them getting to that other end where they're a happy, raving customer. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, your employees are also happy when you create uh, standardized SOPs because you're leaving the guesswork out for them, and they get to do their job and do it well and do it well consistently because they're not trying to remember each time how do you do a specific task. Once it's been documented, they have the recipe. And if they follow the recipe, they're going to get a good product each time, and they're going to be happy, they're going to be fulfilled in their work and satisfied, and they're going to get good um, recommendations from their uh, from their supervisors. And I'm curious, too, um, uh, because... I've spoken to people where they say they went out and hired consultants, which I call systems designers or process designers, to come in and they pay them a fee to do that. But in your case, right. you actually made use of your employees, which I think is kind of brilliant. Is there mm -hmm. an additional cost? Uh, how did you very? How, how did you um, track that cost of having the employee not only do their work within their role, but also right. spend the time to document the procedures? Did you think of how to? How did you, uh, very, you understand the question I'm asking? Because it's yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I, I, did, I didn't do an, an actual analysis, but I can't imagine it any other way. I always tell the employees, no one knows and no one understands your job better than, than you, the frontline person doing that mm -hmm. job. I can't imagine it any other way. Someone coming out is not going to understand all the variables that that person experiences. And not only that, it's empowering to the frontline employee. It makes them feel important. And when you give them that uh, authority and autonomy to uh, write up their own SOP, it only increases their ownership of that task that they're doing. They feel like they own it, and they do own it because they created it, they maintain it. If you bring someone from outside, it's like they don't, they don't own it. Someone else is telling them what to do. 
No one likes to be told what to do. People like the autonomy of doing things the best that they know how to do it. And typically, they will do it better than anyone else because, they're again, they're the ones doing it. You have to trust that they, that they can do it better than anyone else. And, and this interview will not be complete if we don't talk about the challenges that you had with this whole process of systematizing your business. Now you're enjoying the benefits, but let's talk about the right. challenges you had when you got this mindset and you started implementing the whole thing of creating systems. And not only do we want to talk about the challenges, but like how did you solve the challenges that pulled this okay. themselves? So let's go ahead and talk about challenges. Sure. One of the challenges initially, if it's, a, if it's something new in your culture, it's a cultural challenge because people um, look at it and they say, what well, you're, you're, you're micromanaging me now. You know, you're telling me I have to write each step and, you know, and if you bring new people in, they call it micromanaging. That's gone away, by the way. No one ever calls it that anymore. But that was one of the challenges in the beginning was the way people perceive this. So you have to explain the why. People have to understand why are they uh, documenting everything. And another challenge is that people might feel like if they document their procedure well enough that they no longer are critical to the role itself, that they're easily replaceable. And the fact of the matter is they are easily replaceable, but that's what you want as a... Uh, as an owner of a company, you want plug and play. You want to be able to make sure that anyone in the organization, including yourself, is replaceable. Otherwise, you don't truly have uh, a real company. You still have a mom and pop company. Um, so that's one of the challenges is help, helping people understand the why. So what I tell well, them is that uh, you're I, not... I, I, want to play not de- yeah. I, I want to play devil's advocate here because I understand the selling point of having plug and play replaceable, everybody replaceable, including yourself as a CEO, from yourself yeah. as the owner of the business, but you know, I'm playing that with advocate for the employee. You know, how do you sell them right. that they should be replaceable? You know, there was something you said during right. the pre-interview that I want you to get that point across to the listener. Uh, how, right? Yeah, go ahead and see if you can help me. Well, else. yeah, because the other side of the coin of that is that if they're not replaceable, they're also not promotable. <laughs> so how can I move them up to the next level? or give them other tasks or more important tasks or different roles if they are the ones who are uh, who have a silo of information and no one has access to, then they need to keep doing that role because no one's going to know how to do it. So they're stuck in that role wearing that hat. They can't switch. They can't be promoted because they haven't documented it. So that's the other side of the coin. So that's how I present it to them, and they understand that. I like the way you, you, you sell it. You know, in order to move forward oh, in this company and advance, right. you need to make sure that before you leave everything and move to the next level, everything you're doing here, someone else can replace right. you. If you're not replaced, by the way, I, I, go ahead. Absolutely. I also tell people that their value uh, to the organization is proportional to the number of roles that they have, but also the num- more importantly, the number of roles that they've documented, improved mastered. So it's not that, you know, I just replace people. They only become more valuable. An employee becomes more and more valuable the more that they take ownership of their role and document it well because they're building the enterprise value of the organization itself. And I recognize that. There's this other issue of how you mentioned during the pre-interview that writing of, you know, documenting uh, procedures sometimes is not fun. How do you solve right. that problem? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Put a put a headphone on and listen to some music while you're doing it. It's not fun. There's there's no answer to that. It's really not fun. I can't stand it myself. Uh, it was it was very hard for me to do it. And I and so but you know what? Uh, the 
owners should do it himself because then you'll have sympathy for your employees and you understand it's not, you know, you understand how much time to give, how much patience to give. Uh, but you have to give a deadline. It needs to get done. But the, the reward is afterward, uh, the employee feels uh, great satisfaction having documented it, especially if you give recognition for it. So give recognition. Give a recognition plaque or a recognition reward or, or a Starbucks card or something for every, you know, uh, uh, procedure that gets documented. I like yeah, that idea. Was, you know, yeah. Basically recognize yeah. them for taking ownership yeah. and let someone else who is using yeah. that procedure know that, hey, this is the person who documented it and made it so useful for you now to use right. it. You know, exactly. Give them praise. And then... Uh, maybe a reward, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe. No, it seems to me maybe a reward, a yearly reward for the most person who's document, documented most procedures. And then there was another challenge that you mentioned that, okay, now you've sold them on the idea of uh, if, you, if, if, you, if, you, if you're not... Uh, replaceable, you're not promotable, and then you've gotten past the idea of, okay, now you've made them understand, okay, it might not be fun, but let's do it because it's the end benefit right. that you have, you, you now believe in the benefit. But then there's another big issue that the actual documenting, uh, documenting of the procedures is like, if you might sometimes feel like it's an impossible task. Remember how right. you mentioned that you, 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 when you got started, you told people, each employee, to list out all the different roles, right? So I'm right. assuming that when they do that now, it's like maybe they come up with 10 different tasks that they do on a recurring basis. It's like, okay, it's impossible now to now start. That, that's the mindset they have. Not that it's not, 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 that it's not right. possible, but how do you deal with that challenge where someone sees 10 roles that they have listed out that they have to document, and now you say, okay, let's get started with one of them. You, you understand the challenge yeah. that was well, posing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, they say, you know, you break it down. Oh, you know, one step at a time, right? So I would sit down with them and get them involved in the process. Say, which role do you think is most mission critical that, uh, you know, if you were to not be here one day, uh, we would need to, you know, be able to train someone very quickly. Uh, we'll start with the roles that they're, or they're wishing that they could get off their plate and then pass on to someone else. That's also a motivator. Uh, to get something documented, because again, they're not promotable unless they're replaceable. So that's a uh, motivation for wanting them to get certain uh, tasks um, um, documented. But you just have to start somewhere. Set, you know, set a calendar so it's spread out over a good amount of time. Maybe set aside it's only one hour per week that they're going to dedicate uh, to documenting it. And if they agree to that, so they carve out one hour per week out of their schedule, and then that becomes manageable. And they don't they don't do more than one hour per week. Okay, so uh, one of the things that people are listening to this right now is like, okay, I get it. You've started documenting procedures. The team has already done that. But what's, what systems do you have that you're currently using to do that? Can we dive into, like, the infrastructure uh, that you have for the system? Okay. Yeah. Okay, great question. First of all, you know, having a system is, is it doesn't, you just have, you have to have a system. I don't know if one system, you know, every system is going to work differently for different people. Mm -hmm. Um we don't have, we have a system, but it's not a, a true system uh, like some of these excellent uh, uh, platforms that are, that are out there, um, you know, in the, uh, in the Internet. But uh, ours was simply a Microsoft Word document that we filed uh, in a certain filing system that we use on our, on our drive that's accessible on our network. Now, that's, um, we've been doing this now for 10 years. Okay, so 10 years ago, there weren't necessarily uh, platforms out there that were thinking this advanced, 
you know, that uh, people are creating SOPs and how are they going to store them? How are they going to audit them? How are they going to retrieve them? You know, um, so we're still stuck, you know, with the system that we had from 10 years ago. It's working for us. You know, and one day uh, there's always you know, a list of things that you'd like to uh, advance, you know, in, in your technology. Uh, it's, it's not um, highest on our list right now, but certainly one day it would be nice to have a place to um, store these SOPs so that they're easily, more easily retrievable because there is sometimes difficulty finding them. Also, so that you can ensure that there aren't multiple copies of different versions around. That's always yeah. a problem. So there are some, so we, you know, our, there's always uh, things that we need to improve on. That's one, one area we could definitely improve on. What I get from that is that for you, it's not necessarily the tools you use. It's more about, first of all, having a system, but then having it such that you have a place where everybody can uh, get access to the SOPs and also right. making sure that uh, when the SOPs, maybe for some reason a specific SOP is not able to carry out the task the way it usually should have, then there has to be ability for them to go back in and update so that they can improve it. Right. It's kind of an ongoing thing. Right. You also want to make sure that only certain people can update it because some people, are you want them to be only read-only. So we have a roundabout way of doing that you know, with Microsoft, you know, whatever, on our network that our IT people help us set up. But, it's, again, it's not the ideal. It's a little uh, complicated. Uh, but it's been working for us. But certainly uh, the first step is have a system that works for you. But mm -hmm. certainly it would be helpful to have technology that helps you organize them and retrieve them easily and share them and make sure, again, people aren't uh, saving multiple versions, people who don't have access to uh, write, you know, write can only read so that they don't ruin, you know, uh, the SOPs and copy over them even accidentally. Yeah, I, I definitely understand. And so resisting the urge to give a plug for sweet process at this point, let me go to the next question. <laughs> okay. Let me go to the next question. Uh, so how do you track and verify the results that your employees uh, are delivering? Uh, do you mean how do you how do you track that they're actually following the procedures the w exactly the way they're well I'm assuming uh, that I'm, I'm assuming that you are doing it based on the result they're delivering right so so whatever system that you're using right. to really track I want to know what system you have in place for tracking that there is uh, the, the the results are being delivered uh, by the employees yeah. correctly right so. Currently, we don't have a way to track if they're following the, the SOP exactly uh, the way it's written. But, you know, we do have systems to uh, track the results. So if it's, our, if it's in our medical billing department, for instance, we can use our, our practice management software uh, to run reports that will show us that the, we're getting the results we expected. Uh, we can use uh, our, our phone system to track that, you know, there's a certain amount of, of time that, uh, calls are being taken or being answered. Uh, we can track the, our net promoter score to make sure our client satisfaction is is working well. And we'll just assume it's a it's a sum total of the different SOPs that are being followed in our client experience department uh, because they're following their SOPs. So the client experience, the ratings are going going up. So we have only indirect ways of tracking that the SOPs are, are getting done correctly. So if, in other words, if, our, if the payrolls, no one's complaining if their paychecks are incorrect, then they must be following the payroll uh, procedure correctly. And, and, and I like the fact that you mentioned that because the reality is that if you spend your time as an entrepreneur or as a listener to design the outcome that you want for your uh, for your customers or even the outcomes you want for your employees, but, and they're all based yeah. on procedures that you've created, well, now right. if you have a means to 
verify the results of each step, you're just looking at, okay, what is the end result? If the end result is not what you want, then something is broken in the SOP, then we got to you know, right. figure out what is broken. And, and I'm just curious, right. what, what tools are you using for this stuff? Because we, we wanted to share as many resources as possible. Like you mentioned something that you're using for practice management and not the other one for uh, tracking of net promoter, net promoter score and stuff like that. Share the tools you're using. I'm right. just Okay, so like uh, practice management, we're using advanced uh, MD for our practice management software. We use a lot of Excel spreadsheets. That's actually the majority of our tracking tools is uh, Excel. So people have to go into Excel, into a specific tracker, and they'll have to uh, document, you know, whatever results we're looking to get uh, into Excel, and we have them all over the place. Um, again, that's a little antiquated. I know there are there are systems out there, whether it's SharePoint or uh, or just different systems that are, you know, web-based that people can utilize uh, to make things a little more efficient. Uh, we're not there, there yet with the technology, but we do have a system, but it's mostly Excel or a practice management software, like I mentioned. Um, those are the main tools that we use. Okay, I'm just curious, uh, so that we can put more concrete uh, layer to this whole thing of the tracking. You mentioned during the uh, pre-interview that you track based on you track their results based or their goals based on the roles that they are involved in. So let's take a couple of yeah. them and just give the listener you know a couple roles that you have and then a couple ways that you track the results. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Ah, uh, okay. Well, we track. Um, for instance, a therapist has a certain number of of children productivity right that they mm -hmm. need to see uh, in a week. Um, if there, we have, we use Excel spreadsheets, they literally track, um, everything from the whole experience, how many kids that they, that they saw, which kids need, re need referrals, uh, which kids, uh, are getting, you know, cross-referred. Um, these are all, there's SOPs for each one of these, um, uh, actions that they're doing, but again, we use Excel to track the, the actual data. Okay. Okay. Great. And so now that uh, we've established that you know you basically have uh, systems in your business that you know right. literally allows it to run successfully without you, I'm just curious. What's been the longest time you've been away from the business? Uh, I've been away from the business since August fourteenth uh, of two thousand and twelve. That's almost a year now. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. It's, about, it's yes. more than a year at, at this point. Wow. That, that's impressive. And and how yeah. do you how do you say that your business has been transformed as a result of you know, systematizing the business? It's been transformed into uh, a real business, a business that uh, functions uh, with where I've actually made myself uh, replaceable, and I followed the advice of one of my mentors many many for many many years ago that unless I can fall off the earth and the company doesn't doesn't continue, it's not a real company. Um, so that's, I'm actually over 6,000 miles away. I'm not just, you know, I'm physically removed from the business. So, um, it's, it's truly been uh, a dream come true. It was a vision that I had with my wife and our family. And, uh, if you stick to, you know, uh, what you need to do and you put the work and the time into it and the effort, uh, it will definitely pay off and, and standardizing your business and systematizing it is one of the most important um, secrets uh, to building a business that, again, it's, it's the process, it's not, not the people. So you have to document and standardize every single process in your business, and that's the value of your organization. 
And you, I think you mentioned during the pre-interview that not only are, are you guys oceans and miles away from the business, but every year, I mean, every year you've been increasing uh, revenue twenty percent. That's that's impressive. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now we would have actually had higher revenues this year, but uh, the initial CEO that I hired when I left uh, didn't work out, and actually uh, that person uh, started to unfold a lot of our processes, change them, and that was causing. Uh, a lot of uh, problems in the business, uh, financial, the financial issues. So I ended up uh, promoting someone from within the business who understood their culture, understood the philosophy, went right back to where we were, was systematizing, reinstated our old systems, you know, continued to enhance what we have, and we've uh, bounced back tremendously. Um, she made up for a lot of the loss that we had, so we'd be even a lot higher higher this year. So I anticipate that uh, next year we'll continue on our 20% uh, revenue growth that we've been experiencing for many years now. Wow. And I always want to find out like personal life transformation you know, since you've systematized the business. What's that looking like? You've already given us some insight, but I'm just curious if you want to share more on that. Yeah. Well, one of the books that I read was uh, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, Timothy Ferris. And uh, you know, the truth is I can work as much as I want or as, as little as I want. Uh, I work about 20 hours per week on this business. That's what I choose to do. Um, I feel like, you know, wherever I'm putting my time, I'm contributing the best, you know, that I, that I can. It's mostly uh, coaching and mentoring um, the next generation of leaders in my company. That's where I feel I best serve the company. Uh, but at the minimum, I think I would, I think one to four hours would be all I would need. That's really just, report, you know, checking in with my uh, top-level executives and getting reports and seeing where things are at and asking uh, key questions. Um, but again, I choose to do more than that. I want to be a little more involved in just a couple hours a week, but that's, that I, have, I have the choice. And now with all this freedom and, as you said, with the choice you have, where do you find, what areas of your business do you find yourself focusing more and more on and why? Uh, I find myself focusing more on opportunities. Where can this business go? What are some? What are things that our customers hate and other uh, with our competitors that we can, uh, you know, uh, try to alleviate and make us even more differentiated? And what are some new uh, services or product lines we can get into that will increase new revenue uh, streams, new revenue opportunities? Um, that and again, mentorship, coaching. I really enjoy that. I also enjoy just uh, watching what's going on in the business and finding opportunities to praise uh, different employees for uh, d different uh, wins that they're getting. Uh, we call them magic moments, things that they're doing, they're going above and beyond. I like to give a lot of recognition. Uh, that takes time, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy doing that. And also, it's uh, now that you know the, the the core of this interview has been how you got your employees to help you know with you know creating systems for your business. What is the very yeah. next step that someone who has been listening to this interview should do in order to get their own employees to help with creating systems for their own business? Okay, step one: uh, sit down with your employees, let them know um, that. It, whatever uh, role process that they have in their bucket, uh, they're the manager of them. So first have them list it out. Know what they're doing. Okay, what is each individual process that that, that, that person does in your company? Um, and then again, reinforce that 
if they're the ones who are primarily doing it, they're the manager of it. Next, let them know that you're now going forward giving them the autonomy to, um, to manage and improve those roles. In fact, they're responsible for continuous improvement of those roles. In addition to that, they have to document uh, how that role is performed. And again, break it up, start with, let give them some opportunity to be a partner in this and decide which roles they want to start with. Set a calendar, okay, so it's uh, achievable in, you know, in a time frame. Maybe it's one hour per week and then start with that. Good. I, I like that. That gives them kind of a, a checklist of items of what they should do. And so uh, we're all getting to the end of the interview, and I'm just curious because my, my listeners always want to know what books have influenced you the most, especially with this line of thinking, or, and also what tools have influenced your, your business as well. You know, So feel free to yeah. give additional resources sure. at this point. Um, there's one, especially related to systematization, uh, I like uh, Hardwiring Excellence by Quinn Studer, Hardwiring Excellence. He's, uh, it's, I'm in the medical field, so he's, you know, writing, he's a medical CEO, but of course it relates to any business. Yeah. Um, um, I think that's an excellent book, it, re relating to um, systematization specifically. So the whole idea of Hardwiring Excellence is that everything from, you know, how do you, um, Excuse me. How do you do performance reviews? Um, how do you, you know, greet the customers? How do you praise your employees? And how often, uh, you know, walking the hallways? Uh, it's basically creating habits that uh, um, everyone from the CEO down to every level in the organization performs habitually. But it's 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 hardwired into the process. This is how these, you know, the behaviors become hardwired. And so I think it's an excellent read. Yeah. And, and any other tools? Uh, feel free to share another book that might not even be system-specific, but okay. that has a big influence on yeah. you personally. Uh, one of the earlier books I read was uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, that book uh, kind of opens up your mind and lets you think beyond your current constraints. So... Um, for instance, um, a lot of people. I, I was. I would listen to you know webcasts like this, or go to speakers and think, I'll you know, yeah, you know, I'll never be like that. That'll never happen to me. Um, but uh, you know, look, if you with time, if you follow, if you develop good habits for yourself, one of the things I did talk about books. I set aside uh, as part of my daily habits one hour every single day at noon, from noon to one. I'd walk over to a Starbucks near my house, near my uh, office, rather, and I would read a book, another business book. So I was constantly reading business books. I take notes on the Starbucks napkins of things I wanted to implement. It's you're, you're, you remove yourself from the business physically. You open up your mind and you start thinking about your business and you work on your business during that time. And you get to uh, take in new information. It's really important to constantly uh, to set aside time to bring in new information, new ideas into your head. So one of the things about Thinking Grow Rich is that it helps you think beyond the constraints that you have about yourself or your business or some people think they're destined to, you know, make X number of dollars. Uh, it's a good read. And thanks for sharing that. And so what's the best way for the listener to connect with you and thank you for doing the interview? Uh, sure. Anyone can email me as they like. My email is david, D-A-V-I-D, at N-S-P-T, Nancy, Sam, Peter, Tom, the number four, kids, K-I-D-S, dot com.
And also, uh, last question. I'm curious. Is there a question that you wish I had asked you during this interview and for some reason I forgot uh, or didn't even pay attention um, to even ask you? If so, pose that question and then you know, we can talk about it. Yeah, let me think about that. Um, I have one written down. Go ahead. Good, good. And just so the listeners are wondering why they ain't paper, in the back, one of the things we do is we try to do pre-interview so that the interview, at least, we go and get as much detail. Oh, here, here's guests. my question. I'm go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to look it up because I thought it was a good question. How do you know when you've achieved success? Okay. I think that's a very important question for people to, to ask and ask for themselves because you meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and now they've their businesses have grown uh, you look at them, you think they're successful, but you talk to the entrepreneur and they say, you know, I'm not successful. I, I, they're, lo they're either looking at other people and seeing what other people achieve, and they never, yeah. they never seem to find happiness. It's really important to know um, what your vision is and what it'll feel like to achieve success because, you know, uh, a, a wealthy person is he who's happy with his lot. And I think it's very important to know. I feel like, personally, I've achieved success. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, and uh, I think that that is what success is all about. Uh, for me, it was standardizing my business, having my business run uh, on its own uh, without me having to manage every day-to-day -day, uh, activity and, uh, and, and earn a decent income and have uh, certain freedoms. That's what I have. Uh, thank God today. It's you know, years, some years later, and it's achievable, and anyone can do it, and I think it's important to define uh, what success looks like for you so you can enjoy it when you get there. That's awesome. And so speaking to the listener now, if, if you have listened to this interview all the way to this point, uh, one of the things I want you to do is, you know, go and leave a review, hopefully a positive review for us on iTunes. That way other uh, entrepreneurs can, you know, get to know about this uh, process breakdown interview. To leave a review on iTunes, go to sweetprocess.com forward slash iTunes. And one more, one more thing, make sure that when you Living after you leave a review, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That way, you know anytime we have a new uh, uh, a new interview. Also, if you know another entrepreneur who you feel might find this interview useful, please share the interview with them. And finally, if you are at that point in your business where you're tired of being the bottleneck in your business and you want to get things out of your head and documented, you know, step by step uh, procedure about how you get stuff done so your employees know exactly what you know. Sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. Uh, well, David, I really appreciate you doing this interview. Thanks for doing this interview. Thank you, Owen. It's great to be here. And we're done. <laughs> All right.